I can't think of any better place to do that than ECIA, right? It, it really allows you the opportunity to get in front of a lot of distributors and bounce ideas off of them and see real time how people are going to react so that you know you can start to formulate a strategy in your own in your own mind that you eventually could take back to your own organization to me i think that is invaluable and you know if you're one of the 130 that are out there who don't participate today to me that is how you want to engage here connect influence optimize you're listening to the channel channel a podcast for executives and others involved in the authorized sale of electronic components. Brought to you by the ECIA, the Electronic Component Industry Association. Working to promote and improve the authorized distribution channel. Welcome to this episode of the Channel Channel. I'm your host, Bill Bradford. Before we get started on the interview segment today, I'd like to inform you about an important webinar we have coming up. Wednesday, December 11th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can go to our website to check it out, but the title of this webinar is The Value of Distribution, a Framework for Market Access and Development. About 20 years ago, Texas A&M worked with NIDA at the time to develop a study on the value of distribution. So it was a third-party, academically-based, uh, rigorous study on the value that distribution provides and we felt it was time to update this study based on all the changes that have gone on in the distribution channel. We've been working with Texas A&M on a proposal to recreate and update this study. And we're going to have Texas A&M on the webinar to explain the proposal and uh, see how you can have a chance to participate in that project. So we hope you'll be able to join us. That's Wednesday, December 11th at 11 a.m. And now on to our interview. In this episode, I'm very happy to welcome our guest, Robert Kirch. Rob is the Vice President of Global Distribution Channel Sales for Vichay. He's also the Chairman of our Manufacturing Council. So Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bill. Look forward to chatting with you. Great. Well, uh, we, we intend for this format to just be a lot of fun and hopefully uh, our members get to know you and Bechet a little bit better, as well as what's going on in the manufacturing console. But to start, uh, one question we're asking each of our guests to begin with is, we want to know your favorite word. Wow, my favorite word. I'm not sure that I actually ever thought of a favorite <laughs> word. Um, I'd probably say team. Team. Because I tend to address uh, people and groups of people as team. I'm very sports oriented. So I, I, uh, I root for teams. I'm very, uh, group oriented. So when I, uh, and when I'm running something, you will always hear me, you know, address them as team. Uh, the people that work for me, I consider them part of my team. So I would probably say team would be, uh, I've even at times jokingly referred to the family as our little team. But, <laughs> so I, I guess I would have to say team, right? Because that's right. my approach in life to many things. It's a great word. 
then why don't you tell us more about uh, yourself, starting with kind of where you grew up and a little about your childhood. So I'm a New Yorker, um, spent the better part of my life there, a small stint in Florida and upstate New York during college, Um, but for the most part have lived my entire life on Long Island, a great place to live. Uh, You're an hour from uh, what I consider to be the best city in the world. So uh, my wife, and myself, and our family, we take advantage of that quite a bit. We go into the city quite a bit and enjoy it a lot. Um, so off, Long Island has a lot to offer. Uh, not only is it just, uh, it's really good people. Um, it's a really good location. Um, good uh, diversity um, in, in, in the area. And you just, uh, it's just a good place to live. So. Great. And where'd you go to school? Um, I actually went to school at a, a small uh, state university called uh, SUNY Binghamton. Now it's just called University of Binghamton or Binghamton University. Um, it was a, <clears throat> it was like a, a non-traditional college town uh, in that uh, Binghamton actually, uh, IBM, Singer, and many publishing companies were there. So uh, it didn't really rely on the college town. So there was, uh, it, it was a, a college that was within a small city community. Um, but it was a good university. Um, it, it challenged me. It, it, uh, I went there and I studied uh, marketing and finance, got my degree from Binghamton, and uh, developed a lot of really good friendships, which uh, I, I hold uh, close to, to heart to this day. Right, a lot of people I still spend a lot of time with. Um, so it was a great start for me. And um, from there, I, I moved into the industry. So, great. Well, let's, let's hear that story. Tell us about how you got into this industry. So, you know, my dad, he, uh, he was in the technology field, right? He was in RF microwave components. And... Um, when I graduated from Binghamton, he sort of pushed me towards technology. And he just said, listen, he said, you know, technology is only going to get more pronounced in our daily life. He said, so I think you ought to look at technology as a place to look for a career. So when I graduated from Binghamton, like most kids, I immediately went and got the New York Times and, and uh, some of the Long Island papers, and I started applying to technology companies or companies that appeared to be technology driven. And I got a job at uh, Future Electronics um, right out of college uh, working uh, in sales. So I immediately went into sales um, within, I had the job within a few months of graduating and I was with uh, Future Electronics for close to 12 years. And uh, it was a great start. I went to Futures, uh, what they call FIST training, which is Futures Intensive Sales Training. And it was a four-week uh, course on just a host of things from just, you know, traditional sales skills to what is this industry, what's this industry like, um, negotiating skills, just a host of things. It really was a fantastic training uh, and a great program. And uh, Future Electronics really did sort of give me my start in the industry and uh, really allowed me to grow as a person as I I managed from, I went from inside sales to outside sales to product management to ops management. So I I got to to do a lot of different things and become a critical component 
um, to a branch and understand how branch life works. And, and that those experiences to this day, I, I think and draw back upon those experiences as I sit in this chair today in the role that I'm in today, because I know how critical that is to the success of any supplier. Great. So where did you move on to from future? So from future, I went to a, a, a Fairchild Semiconductor. Uh, at that time, uh, Fairchild had just spun back out from National. And um, they were looking for uh, somebody to manage the Arrow uh, engagement. And Arrow back in that day was on Long Island. So I always jokingly tell people I was geographically desirable at the moment. And um, because New York is not necessarily the, uh, the, the lifeblood of this industry, right? There's not a lot going on here. Right. But at that time, uh, Arrow was, was here. So I, um, I got that job and I called on Arrow from uh, 1999 to, uh, to right around 2008. And I, I called on Arrow not only here in, in North America, but eventually grew in that role and you know, called on them globally, became the global account manager, and eventually moved into uh, director of distribution here in, in the Americas. And, and, and my last role there actually was a very similar role to what I have here, which was um, running um, distribution globally as well as sales operations. But as you know, uh, Fairchild got uh, acquired by ON back in 2016. Um, so at that time, I, I, uh, I left uh, Fairchild and eventually I found a home here at Vichet. Great. So tell us a little bit more about Vichet for those that aren't too familiar with the company, products and markets that you serve. Sure. So, you know, I've had the pleasure of working for two iconic companies, right? In my opinion, you know, you think of Fairchild, you think of the start of the industry, right? And then when you think of Vichet, you think of, you know, Dr. Zanman, right? And, and, you know, Dr. Zanman is one of those people in this industry who, you know, he is an industry icon. And, you know, he's synonymous with things like the word resistor, right? He's, he, he was instrumental in its development and holds many patents uh, to this day. So when, uh, the, when I had the opportunity to join Vichet, I was pretty excited. Um, it was a organization that I had targeted from the moment I left Fairchild. And um, because it had such rich history. Right, and it had such a, a broad portfolio of products, similar to what I experienced in my time at Fairchild. Uh, it was a little different in that, um, you know, when you think of our industry, you think of, you know, you've got um, semiconductor suppliers, you got um, electromechanical suppliers, you got passive suppliers, and most of those suppliers tend to stay in those buckets, right? They, you know, semi guys tend to be semi. Electromechanic, but, but Vichet is a little different. There's a handful of us out there. Um, Vichet is a little bit different. We uh, we are in both the passive and the semiconductor world, right? And um, our components today are used by virtually all manufacturers, right? And uh, worldwide, uh, because we really are the building blocks um, of of the industry, just for for lack of a better term, right? So um, when you think of Vichet, you really do think of a company that just has so much for so many customers. And when you think of us, you think of a company with an extremely balanced uh, manufacturing footprint, 
um, you know, we manufacture in company in, in all countries, right? So we, we manufacture in, in Americas, in, throughout the Americas. We manufacture in Europe, throughout Europe. And we manufacture in Asia, you know, throughout Asia, you know, going from Japan all the way down to Malaysia. And, and we manufacture in Israel as well. So we have a, a very balanced manufacturing portfolio that allows us to factory load uh, strategically. We have um, a very balanced um, product portfolio that, you know, we have, you know, both semiconductor and passive electromechanical, uh, passive components. So we really can touch a lot of customers from a lot of different spots. Gives us a good advantage. That's great. So t tell a little bit more about your role now with Vichet. So um, today I, um, I run global distribution um, for Vichet. Uh, it is a role that I, I, I just, I love. I, I've, been, I've been involved in distribution since I got into this industry, both, you know, being a, a distributor as well as calling on distribution. And I, I really got to uh, understand their business. And um, I, I really do, I, I value the relationships that I've built with the distributors. I... I try and embed myself in how they go to market so I truly understand their business and, and I could take that and utilize that within my own organization to help, uh, you know, to help capitalize on opportunities for both. Um, today at, at, uh, at Vichet, we have the four uh, major distributors, uh, global major distributors um, in Arrow, Avnet, uh, future in TTI. Um, we also have a very detailed um, regional lineup. Um, distribution is very, very important uh, to Vichet. Um, it's greater than 50% of our business when you look at, at our channel split. So um, some of our biggest customers are our distribution partners. So uh, we really do value them. And, and hopefully they, they see that and feel that each and every day that we do business with them. You're currently on the board of directors of ECIA and you also chair the manufacturer council of ECIA. How did you first get involved in the association? So, you know, it's interesting, Bill. Um, you know, I've been in the business over 30 years and for the first 28, 29 of them, I had nothing to do with ECIA. And when I was at Fairchild, I long sought um, the support from my uh, management team to join the organization. And I, I always felt, and I, I, I believe that a strong network is, in, is really important, and it's a critical component of you as a person and, and the value that you could bring to a company and to an, uh, an organization. And I always thought that that was lacking with, with Fairchild. It, it, it uh, was something that I had always wanted to do. But for various reasons, um, I was never able to accomplish that. And when I came to Vichet and I got here, I saw that Vichet had, an, uh, uh, had a partnership in ECIA. Right. And um, so I, I told my boss, uh, Dave Valletta, that I wanted to, uh, you know, be part of the CIA organization. And, and he saw it as part and parcel to what I was doing 
in the distribution role. So I, I went to the 2017 um, Chicago conference as you know, a newbie, first time uh, there. And it was during that conference, Bill, that actually you were announced as the, um, the new leader going forward. And Dave Doherty had hinted that there was going to be some structural changes and that they were looking for people to come forward and, you know, become, go and work, work their way into some support roles in, those, in, those, uh, in the new structure. So I sought out um, both yourself and Dave, and I said, you know, I, that I was new to Vichet, and I, had, I came with a lot of experience not only running global distribution, but in the Americas, and that I wanted to participate, right? So um, I, I kind of let it be known, and uh, not long after that, um, yourself and Jeff, East, uh, Jeff Thompson uh, came to me and uh, asked me to, to join the supplier council, and which I was very, very excited to do. And the rest is kind of history, right? So I just worked my way up through the organization. And how has it been a value to you so far in these couple of years, to both you and at Vichet? So first, you know, Vichet really, like I, I said before, Vichet values distribution. And Vichet values ECIA. They value the work that they're, they're doing, not only from a, you know, the stuff you see from uh, the analytics, you know, some of the reporting, but, you know, the, the advocacy that ECIA offers as well as the networking. And so for me, I was a person who always valued a, a, a strong network and, you know, network from a personal and professional perspective, but also network in terms of being able to tire kick with people like-minded people who are industry, you know, veterans who could, you know, look at something from multiple sides to try and come up with a potential solution. So from my perspective, I think that's been the biggest value to me. And, you know, I use tariff, right, and some of the rich dialogue that we had um, in the ECIA organization during many of those events that shaped how I think about tariffs and shaped strategies that I tried to build out for my organization. So I, I would say that to me, it's, it's that component that, that I think it cannot be um, valued enough. I think it's really, really important and very critical. We have 12 member companies on the manufacturing console what would you say to the other 130 manufacturers that are part of ECA that aren't on the console that you know could could really inform them on the work of the console, the 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 priorities of the console? So you know if if you're if you have a if if you are a supplier and you recognize that we're in an ever changing industry um, that's affected by things from all over. Um, and you want to try and shape how the relationship between distribution and a supplier is going to be in the future. I can't think of any better place to do that than ECIA, right? It, it really allows you the opportunity to get in front of a lot of distributors 
and bounce ideas off of them and see real time how people are going to react so that you know you can start to formulate a strategy in your own in your own mind that you eventually could take back to your own organization to me i think that is invaluable and you know if you're one of the 130 that are out there who don't participate today to me that is how you want to engage here it's funny I get calls from friends who are not part of the organization today and they'll call me and, and they may work for another supplier and, and we'll be talking and then they'll ask my opinion about something, right? And it's, it, it, I've said this more than once. I, I said, you know, you should join ECIA because not only would you be getting my opinion on some topic, you could get the opinion of eight other peers. Because I may not have the right answer, but you know, within that, the right answer may exist that you can somehow work into your strategy, or or you may have three distributors sitting with you at a dinner that you can have an open dialogue about a topic, and you can get real time feedback that can help you formulate strategy as opposed to simple one-on-one -on -one dialogues where we tend to be very focused about our own company and, and a very specific problem. I, I just think that the dialogues that you get in and around ECIA are, um, are very valuable for me. So that's what I would tell the, the, the supplier base out there that's not involved. And what are some of the initiatives the council is trying to address? You know, Bill, today we have um, identified a few areas that we're looking um, to drive initiatives. Uh, the first being back in 2001, Texas A&M did a study in which they attempted to quantify the value of distribution. Um, that study revealed that there was a significant savings when a supplier did business via the channel. And those savings ranged anywhere from 15 to 50%. So, it was easy back in 2001 to show that and quantify as a savings doing business through uh, distribution. And that was important for the supplier base. And, and it's important to note that many of the people involved in the CIA are very supplier folk, uh, very distribution focused and advocates of the channel, right? So we're looking to potentially take that study and expand upon it, expand upon the original concept to identify, analyze, and document the value of services provided by the distributors because those services have changed and evolved over time, right? Um, since 2001, a lot has changed. The distributor today probably doesn't look a lot like a distributor back in 2001. So it's, it's important for us to understand that value and be able to take that value back to our own organization and, uh, and be able to explain why a distributor today is more important than ever in doing our business and working with us in accomplishing our goals. So that's one thing that we're looking for. Another uh, area that we are looking to drive is we're looking to drive, I would call it a DMASH initiative. Similar to what they do in Europe, they have a very detailed and structured market share analysis report. It's something that when I came to the board, it was one of the areas I wanted to work on. And I wanted to try and push the supplier base in conjunction with the distributors 
to do this collection of data so that we as a supplier and or a distributor can understand our performance in the market, right? So that was the second thing. Um, the last one, it, which is relatively new, and this is an example of how suppliers really want to use the organization to understand their standing in a position, in a segment maybe, is there's been a push to develop what you would call a best-in-class practices around design registration, right? And again, this would give you the opportunity as a supplier to see where, how you fare, where you need to make adjustments, how you could get better, how you can improve, right? So those are some of the initiatives that we're working on uh, within the Supplier Council. I'm certain more will come up over time because the one thing that the Supplier Council does not lack, and that is opinions, right? Everybody's got opinions, and they're uh, quite often they're really good. So that's today what some of the things we're working on. That sounds great. So, Rob, any other things you'd like to bring up that I haven't asked you about that you think are important for our listeners to learn about ECIA or the Supplier Council? It's interesting, right? Um, there's a lot of challenges that face all industries, and ours is no different, right? We, we see challenges from geopolitical to supply chain to production and evolving technologies to consolidation and pricing, right? So we see all these different challenges that are affecting our industry. But there's one, and, and I think ECIA really can help and does help here, right? There's, to me, there's one that, that really does um, and is affecting our industry, and that is attracting youth to our industry. Um, we are a very sophisticated and aging industry. Um, we have some great people in, in our industry. We really do. Um, but we have a lot of, you know, a lot of age. And um, I know when you look at it, there's, you know, there's always a lot of talk about how do we get younger and how do we bring more youth into our business. And, you know, it's, I talk to, you know, kids in their 20s as often as I can. And it's funny, I always talk to them and say, you really need to think about technology as a future in terms of the way my dad to, did to me to get me here. I always tell them, you know, you think that you need to think about technology as a potential future. And it's funny, when, when they hear technology, they think of Google, they think of Facebook, they think of, you know, AWS, Willow Tree, right? They, they don't think of, of, you know, suppliers like Vichet and On and TE Connectivity, right? They, they don't think of suppliers like that. That's not what they see as technology. So I try to explain to them, you know, what industry it is that I'm in and, you know, the, the value it's brought for me and, and how it's enriched me and how it's, you know, I've prospered as a result of it. So I do see that as a challenge. I know it's a challenge we face at Vichet and I, I know other suppliers face similar challenges. Um, today, ECIA does help. Uh, in this area, promoting the industry um, through programs like Spark. Um, but I, I think, you know, not only, uh, I think we need to, to think about this problem differently. We need to get more creative and more innovative. We probably need to think about the youth and how it is that they communicate today to try and reach them because I, I do think it's an area that 
collectively, the whole organization can requires and 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 would be best for it. Yeah, that's a great point. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we we're launching this podcast. You know, trying to find new communication forums to to try to reach a broader audience and 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 you know the people that we don't reach, the people that maybe don't attend the conferences. How can we better get the word out about our industry and about our association? Yep. So to me, that's a, a critical, that's critical for us all going forward. Absolutely. Well, Rob, it's been great having you here on the show today. Uh, we would like to have you on as a regular guest to continue to update uh, our full membership, but particularly our manufacturers and suppliers on the different activities of the supplier council. And uh, uh, again, we really thank you for your time and getting your insights on the industry and, and on the ECIA. Thank you very much, Bill. I look forward to uh, continued dialogue. Sounds great. Thanks. That's all for today. I hope you'll join us the next episode when we hear from Alan Hearn from the Manufacturers Rep Council. And before we cut out, just one more reminder, please join us Wednesday, December 11th at 11 a.m. for our webinar entitled The Value of Distribution, a Framework for Market Access and Development. And this will be a broadcast uh, joined by Texas A&M University. That's it for now. 